0: I feel like Andrea we need to get the answer to the question what happens to oh, fat when we right. burn it.
1: Where does it go? Yeah, where does it go? Where does go? it go? What does it look like? What does are, it do?
0: Are we breathing it out? Are we do, do we but,
1: pee? Do we pee it
2: out? Do we poop it? Okay. <laughs> Those That's are good, great. Andrea. <laughs> uh, Andrea, you're right. We do pee some of it out. <laughs> It actually when yeah went. what does it look like what does it look water. like Water.
0: i'm glad this is a podcast with no pictures it looks like it's water amazing.
2: it's uh it's actually it produces heat heat yes Whoa. heat and water
0: this is fat science a podcast dedicated to the science of why we get fat no diets no agendas just science that makes you feel better This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended to replace professional medical advice.
2: I'm Dr. Emily Cooper. I've been treating patients with metabolic issues for over 25 years. I'm on a mission to raise awareness about
1: metabolic dysfunction and why diets don't work. Hi, I'm Andrea Taylor. I've been fat, very fat, chubby, morbidly obese, and done almost every diet ever invented. They all worked until they didn't. I've known Dr. Cooper forever, but when I became her patient and we learned metabolism was the real problem, wow, everything changed and I've never been healthier.
0: And I'm Mark Wright. It's time for Fat
1: Science. Wait, does this podcast make me look fat?
0: Welcome to Fat Science. I'm Mark Wright, along with Andrea Taylor and Dr. Emily Cooper. It's so great to see you two again.
1: Hi. Hello. All
0: right. We have been looking forward to this episode since we started the podcast, at least I have, because this is the $64,000 question. How does the body burn fat, and where does it go? Where does it go?
1: (laughs) And how does it know?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, one thing we have learned, sort of to that point, Andrea, and Dr. Cooper has told us this, that fat actually can provide certain signals to the rest of our body, like it has the ability to communicate,
1: the the fact that fat might have a brain and some knowledge is <laughs> m- it must mean that I'm very smart is all I can say. I, I must be very smart, but it it does blow my mind. Like when I found out that fat has like hormonal issues and things about yeah. it is unbelievable.
0: I feel like at this point we need the expert to weigh in because <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Andrea and I have I the got,
2: We got to go.
1: We got nothing. Way <laughs> we got hey nothing.
2: Dr. The, Cooper. You're on, track. you're on the right track.
0: <laughs> let's talk about let's talk about fat. Um, why do we get fat um, and how does it go away? Because we've all seen fluctuations in, in our weight over time. But but give us a baseline.
2: Yeah. And getting back to like what does fat our body fat do? Um, it is kind of an important um it's the, actually the largest endocrine uh, organ basically in our body so hormone secreting entity in our body so it is almost like a second brain if you think about it wow. but it actually Crazy. releases some really beneficial hormones too so uh one of them's called adiponectin which actually helps prevent heart attacks strokes and diabetes And um, reduces the inflammation that can occur within blood vessels. So, it's a very important hormone, adiponectin. And uh, another hormone called Vaspin, which is also a very reassuring hormone for the body. And another hormone called leptin, which is that main hormone that we talk about a lot that informs the whole body and the brain about what the actual body weight, body fat level is in the body. So it's, it's got a lot of power to turn that metabolic process up or down based on whatever it's broadcasting throughout the body. So, um, That is yeah. so interesting. Yeah. Wow. So let's
0: talk about why we get fat, Dr. Cooper. What What's happening when our body takes energy that we've eaten and puts it somewhere?
2: Well, you know, We do need a certain amount of body fat to be healthy, of course, because our body fat, it does a lot of important things. It protects our organs with cushioning, extra cushioning. And um, as I say, it releases these beneficial hormones. But um, things can become unbalanced within the body that cause abnormal accumulation of body fat. And we're talking about what's called the white adipose tissue, which is our main body fat stores. And um, the body fat stores energy that we might need for, you know, sometime in the future. And so we do need to have some, but situations occur that cause an abnormal predisposition to accumulating extra body fat that we actually don't need. And this has to do with uh, what we call glitches in that metabolic feedback loop that we talk about. The metabolic feedback loop includes the signals from the body to the brain that inform the brain about our nutritional status, our body weight status, and um, you know our glucose levels and things like that or nutrient levels. And then our brain decides to send these signals back to our, our body, including our body fat, to inform it of whether it's safe to actually reduce our body fat stores by using some of the fat that's stored there. Or if we should actually increase our body fat stores due to some of the signals that are coming in that may indicate that we may be in need of additional body fat stores. So in a normal situation, it works perfectly well because if we're in a low food state, we can actually tap into a little bit of the fat stores to help supply our energy. But at the same time, some warning signs start to occur That slow down our metabolism so we don't go through those fat stores too rapidly. Um, And if we're in an oversupply, overabundance of food situation and we have a normal metabolism, then our brain will say, oh, well, we have an overabundance, so let's speed up the metabolic rate so that we don't put an abnormal amount of fat into that body fat storage because we're not going to really need it later. And so person that has a normal metabolic system, it just, they balance their weight perfectly normally without counting calories or monitoring their exercise expenditure. It just comes naturally. And, but people who have metabolic dysfunction, mostly again, due to genetic predisposition, their system, their, their metabolic system can be just loaded with glitches where, the signals get crossed. The signals are not accurate. There's a misperception that there's a starvation situation going on. So instead of, if this goes on chronically, instead of the brain allowing you to tap into your fat stores, it starts slowing the metabolism down and actually preventing you from tapping into that fat stores.
0: So Dr. Cooper, everybody wants to know, how do we burn fat? I mean, what, when does it happen? How does it happen?
2: Well, a lot of people think that it's a very simple process of flipping a switch to go from storing fat to burning fat. But actually, it's a lot more complicated than that because the body doesn't work on a two-dimensional framework. It's very three-dimensional or five-dimensional. But it really is, uh, the metabolism is a symphony of different Hormones and neurochemicals that actually regulate our whole metabolism and determine whether we're in a fat storing state or a fat burning state. But a lot of people you'll see will simplify things and talk about insulin being the actual fulcrum. And um, to some extent, it's true because if you have a person who has an abnormally high 24 hour level of insulin and that can happen because a lot of people are prone to diabetes, prediabetes, insulin resistance. And in that type of condition, you may have abnormally elevated insulin levels um, throughout the day. And if you're in that kind of a state, it's really true that it's, it's nearly impossible to tap into your body fat stores because of those excess insulin levels that are inhibiting the fat uh, burning kind of capacity of the body. And so lowering those back down to a normal level can make a huge difference for a patient who is um, in that mode where they're really perpetually stuck in that fat storage mode. But if you have a person who has normal insulin levels and then you're trying to lower those down to an abnormally low level, there can be unwanted metabolic consequences of that where you start triggering Famine signals to elevate in the brain and security signals from the body fat to suppress. And then you go into kind of an energy conservation state, which is called metabolic adaptation. So insulin's not really bad. It's actually a messenger that says we're nourished. And so if we're nourished, we don't really need to tap into our fat stores. So if the insulin levels are very high, then... You know, you you truly won't be able to access that body fat storage, and you need medical treatment to try to figure out why are the insulin levels abnormally elevated, and what is the actual medical treatment for that. But um, you know, a lot of people think that if I starve myself of carbs, or if I go into ketosis, or if I fast long enough, I will flip into a situation where I suppress my insulin enough to start burning my body fat. And as I say, there may be a little window of time where that is happening, but if you stick to doing that, eventually your body will fight back because it will, it will suddenly feel that you're starving it and it will increase those brain chemistry, you know, brain chemicals of famine, and it will suppress all the natural messengers that say that you're in a secure state and you're not in a famine. So next thing you know, your metabolism's slower, your appetite jacks up, and you're you're in a bad what I call that
1: metabolic storm where you're just in a fat gaining mode. So there's no switch. We can't turn on a switch. <laughs> well, you <laughs> can
2: turn it on, but there may be consequences <laughs> afterwards.
1: Oh, darn, darn it.
2: So is there
0: a way to get the body to focus on burning fat somehow, Dr. Cooper, or do we just need to stay active, eat sensibly, and just make sure the brain feels like it's not in a famine?
2: Yeah. I mean, I think staying in a balance is the key, not trying to purposely drive your hormones into a state of extreme and as a as a means of trying to achieve this fat-burning nirvana, <laughs> because once you do that and you're trying to, to drive into those extremes, you're really just talking about short-term changes that come with these consequences. And so it, it's really in the long term, it's not worth worth doing that. So the way to, you know, for a healthy person to tap into their body fat stores is to kind of live naturally. If you don't have metabolic dysfunction, just eating a normal diet and you know, getting your activity, keeping your stress levels down and sleeping well and living in balance is just going, your body will take care of itself. It'll maintain a normal body composition and weight. But if you don't have a normal metabolism system and you have genetic propensity toward obesity, diabetes, you can do all those things, but your body will be in a fat storage mode a lot more easily than somebody who who does not have these metabolic problems, and that becomes more of a medical condition, not something that you're going to be able to change by short-term diets or starvation mode um, efforts.
0: So if we see these claims, and we see tons of them on social media, that just do this and your body will start to burn fat, are those pretty much across the board false claims or not? Well... Well, I won't
2: call them across the board false because again, you can force your body to do things in the short term by, by starving it. Basically, if you starve your body, it needs fuel. So it's going to hunt throughout your body for energy sources. And some of those may be the body fat. Often it's also the lean mass. Um, but it will, you know, you will be able to tap into those fat stores in the short term, most likely, but that, doesn't really play out in the long term. And you know, hundreds of years of research have really shown that it doesn't play out in the long term, which is why we're we keep kind of <laughs> floating around these ideas of is there some secret to this? Is this like the secret answer just by cutting out this particular food or exercising in this particular way or eating at this particular time? And as of now, we haven't really found any answers in that area that are worthwhile long term.
1: And we all know that they, it all comes back, mostly for me and my tushy, <laughs> that it all comes back way <laughs> later on, plus like another twenty pounds. Exactly. Or exactly. Whatever. So, so not
2: only is it not going to work in the long term, but it may actually do more
1: harm in the long term. Right. So for people who don't have metabolic syndrome, who have sort of a normal metabolism, how would they burn fat? Well, and that's the group of people where they don't have to worry about it. They, they don't have
2: to think, how do I burn fat? Um, because- Like it would just yes, happen? it just happens. <laughs> yes, it just happens. Oh my God. And, <laughs> and the reason it does is because their body will is gravitating to maintain that normal weight and body composition. So- They, they want to, their body wants to maintain the body fat they have because it's normal. And it wants to maintain their lean mass because it's probably normal. So if they get off track with their nutrition and they're not eating enough or fueling their exercise enough, then the brain will slow down that metabolic rate to help preserve the body fat they have and to not put them into a weight loss mode. And if they eat more, then they usually eat, it will just speed it up to preserve the tissue that they have. So it's never, in fact, if a person at a normal status like that starts to think they want to try to make their body burn more body fat, that's basically the beginning of creating a metabolic problem in that person who didn't have one to begin with. So, you Mm -hmm. know, it's, it's basically their body just does it without any effort. Um, it's just an automatic, that's kind of nice about the metabolic feedback loop is that it's self strengthening, you know, as it functions in a normal way, it makes itself stronger. If you, yeah. So
1: those are the people with the good metabolism that we always Yeah, And about. there
2: are people like that. It, it is not yeah. a very high percent in our population now because we are having increasing, you know, incidents of diabetes and other things that, um, are metabolic issues, but there are people, those are the people that you probably know. They just, they don't think much about what they're doing with their food or their exercise, but they have normal habits and they have normal, I mean, they, they should hopefully have normal habits, (laughs) but sometimes they can get away with a lot too, um, because they're what's called, um, weight resistant, which means they're resistant to gaining excess weight actually. (laughs) Wow. but there
0: is a correlation between how much we eat and how much we gain because I've always been fascinated Dr Cooper by um, actors in Hollywood who have to gain lots of weight to play a role in a movie and they, they they can easily they eat a whole bunch of calories and pretty soon pow they're just they're up 30 40 50 pounds yeah and then they have to try to lose that later yeah so there is a correlation between how much you eat but what you're saying is that if you have a normal metabolism your body's going to try to Get back to its its sort of
2: yes. balance. Yeah, and you wouldn't. I mean, when those actors are trying out for those roles, they're actually engaging in something called overfeeding, like they're they're mm-hmm. doing a, a purposeful overfeeding um, exercise, and that's something yeah. that's done a lot in research to overfeed to see what will happen. Um, but in real life, they wouldn't do that because they have a normal metabolism. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah, If they were doing that in real life, then that's a symptom of a metabolic (laughs) issue um, that would drive someone to do that. But it's true. Yeah. You can overfeed and your body has to do something with that excess fuel. And so it will Mm -hmm. store it in the body fat to use as energy um, later, you know, because it doesn't need it right now. But um, fat is also stored in our muscles, but the Fat that's stored in the muscles is really a fuel that's used while we're exercising. So that's a little bit different. Um, It's not seen as like a storage that we tap into if we're under fueled it's it's really
1: restricted to use during exercise. How does fat know where to go? Like, how come sometimes people have it on their butt? Sometimes people have it in their middle. Sometimes people have, like, fat legs. Like, how how does it know where to go? That is so much
2: determined just from, like, family traits and things like that. You'll hear people say, oh, my family carries the weight, you know, uh, like apple shape. like Mark always says, his his side of the family – Pear shape, apple, shaped. apple yeah. shaped and and the studies show that it makes a difference with your health. Really, I mean, you've probably all heard of that. But w- women, right. actually, in particular, um, have been found to um, be healthier if they carry a little extra body fat in their lower abdomen and upper thighs, um, hips. You know, lower abdomen body fat that's a little bit higher in that area has been shown to be associated with lower risk of what's called all cause mortality, meaning all causes of death. (laughs) Um, So, so I try to encourage some patients are, are, are really uncomfortable with their body shape and, you know, kind of point out, well, that's actually like favorable and healthy to have that type of body shape. If you have it up higher, like Mark has described, that's the concern that you may have visceral fat around your organs. And that can happen to, you know, with people at any weight, like a normal weight, can still have abnormal visceral fat, and um, so that a lot of that is runs in families, but it is associated with metabolic dysfunction. People with high weight are more prone to visceral fat than people with normal weight, but um, also people who do a lot of what we call weight cycling are more prone to visceral fat. Weight cycling is what we have referred to in the past as yo-yo dieting. You know where you're going on those crash diets, your weight goes down, and then it comes back up and more, and then you do it again and again. That is associated with accumulation of more and more visceral fat, so fatty liver mm-hmm. and things like that. So uh,
0: so that's the more dangerous fat than the subcutaneous yes, fat? Yes, thanks
2: for asking. Yeah, mm-hmm. that is uh, um, definitely more dangerous fat. It can impair organ function. And mm. um, while the subcutaneous fat is kind of annoying, but it doesn't necessarily- I
0: mean, look at me.
2: (laughs) I mean, our body fat does release a lot of inflammatory uh, chemicals or um, compounds. And so there can be inflammation associated with high body fat levels, even if it's just subcutaneous fat. Um, But in general, the hard part is if you think about these diets, Whatever you're on initially that's starving your body, you start to engage these different processes. Yes, you will start to release some fat from your fat stores because your body needs that fuel and because you're starving it basically. But you will also start to turn to the proteins in your body to use those to replace the missing glucose that is not coming from the carbohydrates that you've eliminated So you've got on one end, you're losing some muscle and water weight. On the other hand, you are burning a little bit more of the fat from your fat stores. And that's the early stages of these diets. But then Mm -hmm. as you go on, um, you know, long-term into these diets, the effect of slowing of that metabolic rate down starts to really kick in and get stronger and stronger. And all kinds of hormones and chemicals start to get thrown off balance in like a domino effect. So then you all of a sudden end up in a situation where your metabolism is much slower. Your appetite is starting to like really get jacked up quite a bit because your brain is saying, you really need to feed me. (laughs) Um, And then, you know, it sets you up for being prone to not only weight regain, but gaining more than you, you did initially.
1: And I think also You know, we talk about the pleasure principle in a lot of stuff and how your brain is part of the participant in a lot of the eating and the food as well as the fuel situation. And when you start to get into like all these horrible fasting and rules and regulations about diet, it really makes it terrible to go out to dinner with these people.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, food enjoyment is supposed to be part of it.
1: You take the enjoyment out of all of this stuff; it really is awful. And how much how how much does that affect like the world and their in their food world and their their lives? I mean, that can't be helping. But everybody
2: has the right to do what they want to do, you know, with their food and everything. Um, but I just hope that people don't fall for the same kind of traps that the diet industry has set and. You know that they themselves know are not going to work based on
1: their own past experience too. Oh, I think I think they'll be on to the next thing within a year.
0: <laughs> so I'm I'm looking for what the what the big takeaway is, Dr. Cooper, because I think a lot of us have a little bit of extra fat, um, and we would love to quote unquote burn it off. Um, what's the best strategy? Is it just regular balanced meals, regular exercise, just fueling your exercise. I mean, what's the best overall strategy to try to get rid of that last fat?
2: Yeah. I mean, I think number one, I'm a big fan of not chasing that little bit of fat, uh, Mm. because that's how people get in trouble, like learn to live with it. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, no, I'm not just saying, I'm not just saying that. I mean, I mean, you know, if it's a little bit of fat and you're healthy, and Don't make it into something that becomes your focus and, you know, your plan of attack, because the minute you do that, you're starting to stir up all those weight defenses. You could end up in a worse place, but in general, to be, have our healthy body composition, you know, as healthy as we can with our body composition from a lifestyle perspective, there are some things that make a difference. There are sleep is huge, you know? if you're not getting good quality sleep, you're going to have to accept there's going to be extra body fat. <laughs> you know, hmm. If you're not getting yeah. good quality sleep, good duration, it will, in most people will cause excess body fat. Um, stress plays a huge role in that too. Um, and that's a harder one to control in today's environment where a lot of people feel stressed, but, um, in terms of exercise, what the studies have shown is fueling your exercise, like around your workouts. So, uh, the timing of your food intake and your energy expenditure being closely matched helps your body composition the most. So if you're, you know, going a long time before you started the exercise routine, then you do your exercise, then you wait too long to have food, but you do make up the calories through the day. Your body composition will not be as proportional as it would be if you had actually fueled that exercise with pre-workout, maybe during if it's a longer workout and after, like cushioning that workout with the fuel Mm. in terms of timing improves the body composition. And then um, strength training is just really important for everyone, especially women, um, Women do not hold on to muscle mass as we get older, and our muscle mass does affect our meta- baseline metabolic rate, and we can definitely lose muscle. Um, people think about you know, metabolism slowing down with aging, but most of that is actually because of muscle loss. So so wow. weight training is weight good? training. I feel like weight training is just such a good thing because it does not aggravate our metabolism that you know much. Um, it's not as uh, triggering, I guess, of that weight defense mechanism that can occur. You know as Cardio exercise, but I mean, cardio is important too. It reduces cardiovascular risk and all that. But I always tell people let's not turn to the food and the exercise as a means to regulate our weight. You know, let's not, let's not use it for that tool. But just as a general lifestyle strategy, maintaining your lean mass is a good, good thing to do. And by incorporating strength training on a regular basis, Men get away with it a little more with these breaks in strength training because they have testosterone, which helps maintain muscle mass. Women, Mm. we just don't. So we have to, you know, really keep up a routine, a strength training routine year round every year. (laughs) And as you age, it's more and more important.
0: Yeah. And it helps with bone density too. It helps with bone
2: density and functional capacity. But it's those key things eating, uh, good timing, fueling the workouts, the sleep the stress, the strength training. Um, I think, you know, those are the things that would maintain a more normal proportional body composition.
0: Hmm. I wish we had social media back in cave person days because I'm guessing that cave people did not have six pack. abs. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Because, you know, our, our media shows us these body images that are just absolutely perfect yeah. <laughs> and it makes us feel so inadequate. I feel like a big squish and I'm thinking, man, I wish I'd looked like that in my <laughs> swimsuit, you know? And it's like, <laughs> but, but what you're saying, Dr. Cooper is if, if we take a look at the big picture, the rest of it will, will get to, to, to as good as it can get. Right.
2: Right. And we want to also know fat's not our enemy, body fat's not the enemy, It doesn't mean that you're unhealthy. If you're carrying a little extra body fat, it doesn't mean it, it doesn't, it doesn't correlate with, Hmm. with health. So focus on the health parameters and not so much, you know, the number on the scale and your body fat. Um, but if you do feel like your body fat's like accumulating abnormally, look at those lifestyle factors, you know. What could be going on there and can you make any changes there because it might be just more of a symptom and a clue and a reminder to you that you're not
1: taking care of yourself
0: yeah i feel like andrea we need to get the answer to the question what happens to oh, fat when we burn right. it
1: where does it go yeah where does it where does go? it go what does it look like what does are, it do
0: are we breathing it out are we <laughs> do,
1: do we but, pee do we <laughs> pee it out do we poop it okay <laughs> Those That's are good great andrea.
2: <laughs> Andrea, you're right. We do piece some of it out. <laughs> it actually, <laughs> when, yeah, when. What does it look like? What does it look water.
0: like? I'm glad this is a podcast with no pictures. It looks like That's water.
2: It's, uh, it, it's actually, it produces heat. Heat. Yes, Whoa. heat and water. Heat and water. Yes.
0: But your body, what does it actually do with the fat molecule? Does it right. does it break it down into something else? It, like, well, what, what's actually it happening?
2: uses it to get work done in the body. So it's like an energy exchange, just like glucose would be. Hmm. We need to use that, and it goes through uh, several processes to combust it into a fuel that our body uses to do, perform tasks, basically. Hmm. But a byproduct of that is water and heat. Water and heat. Interesting. Oh. Mm-hmm.
1: So it does kind of evaporate. It does. It It does. does. Yeah,
2: it does evaporate some. And um, when people are in sort of like what we call hypermetabolic mode, um, which can happen when your metabolism starts really revving up after having been slowed down a long time, you could feel warm after you eat, especially. You could feel a sense of feeling warmer. um, Or at Hmm. night, um, when your metabolic hormones are balancing, you could feel that heat um, releasing. So it, it does, uh, fuel, fuel combustion, just like if you, you know, light a pile of wood on fire that produces heat. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I love it when you, when you bring up sort of r- rural, yeah. <laughs> uh, analogies, I totally get that. Yeah,
1: yeah.
2: So we, we, does that make sense that we, we, use, we have different, like, um, it's like, uh, you know, different available sources of, um, of, energy in our body that can be basically traded for work being done by the body. So if we want to have something happen in our body, we have to have the energy to make that happen. So that's going to come from either glucose or these free fatty acids, you know, that come from the body fat stores and that provides the fuel to get things done in our body. And as a result of that burning off, heat escapes yeah releases
0: but to, but that idea i have a friend who who does intermittent fasting and he'll work out really hard after fasting for a mm. long time because we all have this idea that if you just exercise it's somehow right. grabbing it'll, that fat it'll melt and it'll melt it off but what you're saying is that no no no, no it's you got to fuel it and those carbohydrates that we eat are what fuel the workout and yes. man this is this has been such a great episode
1: i have one more question yeah. So let's say I want to cheat the whole system Uh (laughs) and I want to go and I want to go have like liposuction or freeze the Mm. fat or some kind of thing like that. And they want to suck it out with a needle (laughs) and like they suck it out and you see the thing and it looks like a turkey baster or whatever with the thing. (laughs) Now, then I hear that the fat can grow back. Yeah. So what's the point? Like, I guess it would look good for a little while, but then you hear it can grow back or you can have some kind of disease like Linda Evangelista, the fashion model. <laughs> like she had some kind of horrible thing where then she got fat all over here and then she had to sue the company. And like, so what's the point? Like, is there anything that you can cheat the system? No, uh Damn it.
2: <laughs> I mean, you can't cheat the system, but you can get to the root of the issues. <laughs> you know, we don't need to cheat the system because you can get to the root of the problem. Right. And you can look at that more pharmacologically. You know, is there something is there are there glitches in this feedback loop? Do we need pharmacology in there? There may be instances where actually surgical bariatric surgery may be helpful from a metabolic standpoint. So we don't need to cheat the system and try to just go around to some kind of a. You have to think that the fat is not the cause, it's a symptom. So just going in there uh, and removing a bunch of fat artificially. Without your own body deciding that's fat that's supposed to be to be burned. Well, I'm just going to
0: say this: this <laughs> podcast episode is going to go viral when we put the headline. There's no quick fix to Uh-oh. your fat. Mm, <laughs> you can't, dang it!
1: You, you ah. can't scrape it off. <laughs> oh, that's good.
0: Well, no, I mean we joke about this stuff, but this is where so much of of you know what's being thrown around on social media is dedicated to this idea of getting rid of fat. And so much of it is just flat wrong. So Dr. Cooper, thanks for bringing the science in. Uh, Andrea, always appreciate you. Um, This has been fun. This has been fun. How does the body burn fat and where does it go? We've got the answers. And this has been another edition of Fat Science.
1: No diets, no agendas, just science that makes you feel better. See
0: you next week. I'm Mark Wright. Thanks for listening to Fat Science with Dr. Emily Cooper, a work P2P production. New episodes drop every Monday. If you've enjoyed the conversation, subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. This production is for informational purposes only and is not intended to replace professional medical advice. Join us next week for another episode dedicated to the science of why we get fat. No diets, no agendas just science that makes you feel better.